Welcome to Two Guys in a Bible. This is a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Dylan Keniston. My fellow co-host is Eric Leupold. Actually, I actually off record, I didn't know this, but your nickname is Loopy. Yes. <laughs> on base. <laughs> yeah, that's... Sorry, I'm blowing up your spot. No, that's okay. I'm, that I'm... would be... That would be... Uh, that's my call sign. That's the call sign. That's the call I sign. I love that, it. Yeah. I love so, it. So, yeah, real quick, pilots... More so, more pilot, more than just pilots, but yes, uh, generally speaking, air crew uh, get call sign. I love it, Luffy. Yeah, so total Luffy. fan, total fan. Yeah, thanks. Well, so we're we're, we're talking today, uh, two guys in a Bible talking today about covenants, and covenant is one of those topics where um, yeah. isn't that where nuns go? Oh yeah, the, the convent. Yeah. Oh, oh no, wait, the convent. Yeah. Oops. Uh, uh, I have a story on that one, but maybe I'll let it pass. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so so covenants, right? And, and and this is a really exciting topic. It's a really important topic, too, because it's one of those structures in Scripture, I mean, as you well know, that it's like, um, how, you know, what we do with covenantal structures helps to inform how we put our whole Bible together. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, you know, when you get into the um, some of the weeds on some of the some of the passages and stuff like that, there's a lot, there can be some, some uh, disagreement among, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ on how some of these things uh, flesh out. But I think, you know, e- e- before we get, you know, into any of that, there's, I think there's yeah. large scale agreement that covenant is such a crucial theme in the Bible. And it really um, touches so many aspects of really pivotal moments in in scripture, whether that's at you know creation, I'm sure we can talk about that. You know, coming oh, yeah. into works is that a, is oh, yeah. that a thing? Yeah, well, maybe. You know what I mean? Well, we can get to that. We could. Um, you know, but it touches the point of you know right after the flood, we have the Noahic covenant, right? We have we got David in there. We've got uh, just and then we've got the new covenant. Mm. You know, obviously the Abrahamic covenant's huge. There's just all these like really pivotal moments in God's word where covenant is this is kind of a a, a focal theme. Yeah, but what is a covenant? That's well, yeah, the, what is a covenant? That's I mean, it's the like, million dollar question. Yeah, right? and and that's that's such a. I mean, do you want to take an initial stab at that? Mm. I mean, that's that's a big one. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think what uh, I've always found it helpful uh, when thinking about this and and listening to people talk about it is, and I think we we can look at some texts in scripture that uh, give examples of this, but. Uh, the contrasting between a, a covenant and a contract. Hmm. Okay, so um, how I, how I've understood it to be is that a that a contract think of think of like any kind of business contract you would make. It's focused on a particular thing. Um, it's based on your performance. So if you um, you know you sign a, sign up to do this contract, and if you don't do a good job, you lose the contract. You get disciplined. You don't get you don't get the benefit. Um, a contract is for a specified length, so it doesn't last forever kind of thing. Um, it's really focused on what you, um, what the contracting parties are going to get out of it. It's, it's what's, what's the benefit for them in this contract. And it's really about like a negotiation, like, okay, I'll do this for you, you do this for me kind of thing, and we'll, we'll build this contract together. Yeah. So that's the kind of, so you got that on the one hand, mm-hmm. and then I was, you know, so covenant uh, how I understood it is more person oriented. It's about the relationship more mm. so. It's it's instead of performance, it's about loyalty okay. between the covenanting parties. Um, there's really no l- specific length 
associated with it. It's kind of an undetermined uh, length, uh, and it's um, it helps to build a relationship, but it also assumes an existing relationship between the parties, and in in many ways, uh, some scholars would argue that it's more gift gift centered focus. Like I'm. I'm giving this to you. You're giving this to me. It's mm-hmm. not something that you really earn, per se. Right. So I guess that's the... There's kind of promises to each other. That, promises. Yeah. I mean, how I tell my children is really a covenant is uh, nothing really more than a, uh, a special promise between two or more people. Yeah. Really. I think that's helpful. And well, and the other thing, too, on that is just like, I feel like covenant is a word that... I mean, it's definitely fallen out of common parlance. Oh, yeah. Y- you know what I mean? Like, we just don't... It's not a word that gets thrown around a whole lot. I mean, we talk a lot about contracts. I mean, that's yeah. everybody kind of knows what a contract is, and people kind of know what promises are. People understand this concept of relationship. So, like, I don't know. What, what is it that makes a covenant different from all of those? I mean, right. it, I don't know. We just don't talk about them that well, much. I, think, I mean, I, I know in real estate, like, there are some documents, legal documents, that still use the word covenant, mm-hmm. but... I don't know. It seems like those things are more like contracts because it's a specified length of the loan that you're taking out. If you default, uh, you know, you're in big trouble kind of thing. This is the benefit that you get out of it. And there's really no relationship, uh, no, no loyal or intimate relationship between the two people or the two groups, I should say, maybe the bank and the person taking out a loan kind of thing. But yeah, so that's how I always understood it as, you know, relationship person focused covenant thing focused uh con- you know contract performance based yeah totally no contract. that 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 makes sense well and and so not i know we had an episode just a couple of a uh, couple of episodes ago we talked about marriage yeah mm-hmm. so like in marriage we would think of as as a covenant as opposed to like a contract you know, we, yeah exactly and i think a lot of people these days they think of it as a contract, it as a contract. Yeah, i mean yeah, it's yeah. pretty much like or a lease even like a, yeah get a wedding lease absolutely That's you know we come to the bad. altar you know me and my wife is like okay well i mean are we thinking contractually it's like so you're gonna offer this i'm gonna offer this and if one of us defaults the other person can get out yeah prenuptial agreements prenuptial agreements yeah. or we want prenup you know right. it's not so it's much not like till death do we part yeah. sickness and in health now if things start to go bad like financially and health wise I might not want to stick around with you because yeah. you're kind of a burden to me and you're not performing your end of the bargain. Exactly. So to speak. And that's, I mean, that's one of the clutch pieces of it right there, right? That really differentiates a covenant and in particular, just in that context, mm-hmm. talking about marriage, but that's what really differentiates it from a contract, right? Yeah. It's not like a business relationship where, you know, you don't fulfill your end of the bargain. I just back out. Uh, and, but on the other hand, it's, 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 it is, uh, there are promises made to each other such mm-hmm. that it's it's weightier than this kind of, you know, mm-hmm. just a mere friendship and nothing more that you just bounce in and out of. Yeah. And, you know, no big deal because yeah. you don't owe the other person anything. It's like, no, we are making promises to each other yeah. before the Lord and, and before uh, his people. And so, like, there's there's a weightiness to it yeah. um, that that registers in heaven. Um, hmm. In a particular way, and I think the relationship is also for. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly, but it, it's pretty straightforward. If if you go to a store, furniture store, let's say, or, or or a car dealer, and you buy a car, you buy a piece of furniture, you could get a lease for that. You could go under contract. You could get a contract signed between someone that you have. You don't know who this person is. You you might not even have ever met this group of people that's giving you this money to buy this thing. 
Um, but the covenant has that relationship aspect to it. I mean, you would not just go into a marriage having never met the person ever or even talked to them ever before. I mean, I mean that's kind of rare to do that. Maybe some arranged marriages in the past, perhaps, but even then the families probably you know, knew each other. Uh, but that being said, in general, covenants are already built upon an existing relationship that's there. And we see that uh, in Scripture, and there's a, there's a couple ones I want to want to bring up here about that. Yeah, totally. Um, let's do it. In fact, I, I want to go to one. Let's see. Let's do, uh, if you could. I mean, we'll get to the ones but that God makes, because those are kind of unique, certainly. But there's one in, uh, I believe it's Genesis uh, 21, yeah, yeah, okay, so 20, okay, so it's tw- Gen- Genesis 21, and I'm at starting at verse 20, 22, okay, yep. um, and it goes to 34, but this is between Abraham and Abimelech, so, you know, two guys, God, God is not really at the center of this covenant, uh, obviously, though, he's, he's an important part of it, but let me just read from verse 22, um, at that time, Abimelech, and uh, Fickle, the uh, commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, These seven ewe lambs that you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. So, I mean, it you know goes on from there. But the point is, is that uh, a relationship had already existed between Abimelech and Abraham. They had already uh, dealt kindly with each other. And... Abimelech wants to make sure uh, that Abraham will deal truthfully, not falsely, with him and his descendants. You know, I want, like, let's make this a solemn promise that you're never going to, like, backstab me here, okay? Mm-hmm. Can we, like, be good for the rest mm-hmm. for the rest of our lives and including the future generations? Mm-hmm. So there's certainly, uh, there's no time, uh, there's no time limit to this. Um and then if something happened, really, there was some kind of dispute where servants of Abimelech had seized some kind of a, a well of water that, that had belonged to Abraham. And Abimelech didn't know about it, but Abraham is, is offering this sign, you know, uh, these, these lambs that basically Abimelech is going to take from Abraham. And this is going to be the witness, the testimony that this well belongs to me uh, for now until the future. And so I think... That's a beautiful example of, of a relationship-based, undetermined length um, agreement, covenant, uh, usually involving some kind of sign or witness, uh, some symbolic act between the two parties there. Uh, any thoughts, uh, comments on, on that there, Dylan? Yeah, no, I, and what I really like about that is I think it's a really good kind of entry point example of a covenant where 
you know, we're we're dealing with, you know, two guys and a covenant, two guys and some lambs, <laughs> and uh, but and a well, two guys in a well, and right? seven lambs. That's and right. Seven, well, two guys in a well, two guys, two guys in, a well. in a Bible, right? <laughs> so anyway, so it's um, I, I like that because it's an entry point uh, at kind of a, a horizontal level, which by which I mean like it's human to human, right? Yes. Um, so it's it's nice to get kind of um, an example at the at that level of a covenant. Um, so now kind of. From that point, kind of taking it, uh, you know, up a level. What what are some of the covenants that, um, mm. as we see them, you know, again we listed out a couple of them initially that we see in Scripture where where God makes a covenant, right? God makes a covenant with with Israel, you know, with David, you mm-hmm. know, with the new covenant, you know, with Adam, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's a good question because the word covenant, at least as far as I understand, is not used specifically in the, the Genesis account regarding Adam. But I think the way to make the argument is it's a little more indirect. I think it's still just as biblical. Um, it's the covenant with Noah. Hmm. Okay, so if we go to that, which is Genesis chapter 8, uh, and I can read uh, verse 20. Uh, and it goes into it goes into chapter 9, but here. But here's what, I'll, here's what, uh, this is after the flood, of course. And uh, so uh, chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Uh, Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Going to chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish in a fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, from, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Verse 17 is the end. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So quite lengthy, of course, but just really want to point out. Beautiful stuff. It's very beautiful. Again, 
uh, everlasting. There's no determined length. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on a personal relationship, Noah's already had a long-lasting relationship with the Lord. Um, but but the reason why I think this is evidence of an, a covenant with Adam is because the the, the, the language of be fruitful and multiply, it's um, fill the earth. I mean, it's like God has hit the reset button, and Noah is like a new Adam. Yeah. You know, he used to go and be fruitful, fill the earth. Here's the food that's been given to you, slightly changed a little bit. Uh, previously, it was just the plants, and now it's everything that moves. Um, but, you know, all these things are still to happen, and here's the sign of my covenant. So it would seem if there if there's a quasi-creation or, or new creation covenant going on there with, with Noah, the assumption would be, well, that likely existed with Adam. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good point. And then I think the real the real feather in that cap is Hosea six seven, mm. right? So like, uh, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. Oh, right? that's pretty clear. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty clear. So you, so you don't so have. I like... didn't even need to read the whole thing. I just read there. You could have said that. You should have stopped me. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I love where you're going with it. But, like this one thing. I love the thing. The covenant with Noah is great, right? So mm-hmm. first of all, it's it's an unconditional covenant, which is yeah. cool. Right, so it's it's not like um, you know there are some of it uh, covenants where um, you know we can kind of come back to the, you know the Mosaic covenant, the covenant with Israel, mm-hmm. where it's like if you do this, then this will happen, and if you don't do this, this will happen. There, mm-hmm. this it's not quite the same here. It's it's like it's a it's a covenant that's made with all creation and all humans. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a uh, there is a common grace element to it. Yes, um, which which I really I really like. And that's both in Adam and in Noah. It's in Adam and in Noah, right? Because obviously, you know, with Noah, it's very clear: all generations, all future generations. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, this is the reminder. And again, every covenant has a sign or symbol uh, uh, to it. There. Um, so, so, so you would say that that pretty much covers. I mean, in general, the Adam and Noah uh, covenants there. But, I mean, what are the what are the terms though of the covenant? For, for each of them. How do you mean? Well, I mean, every covenant has, uh, a, a, I mean, I guess promises, promises given, certainly, mm. but also responsibilities, mm. particularly for the recipient, for the, um, uh, one could say the lesser party. And I don't want to go too technical with this, um, but scholars, uh, you know, ancient Near Eastern scholars uh, understood that back in those days, a general form of covenant was called a suzerain-vassal treaty. Yep. Suzerain meaning king, vassal mm-hmm. meaning, well, you know what a vassal is. I mean, someone who's lower than the king. Yep. And the idea was that um, there's always a stronger party involved uh, in, in, this issue, in, in this instance. And the same thing would be true for, for God and Noah, for example. So Noah is the recipient of a covenant. God has promised um, unconditionally, I will never destroy the earth via flood and cut off all flesh again and that's that's unconditional there's nothing noah or anyone after noah does is going to cause god to stop his promise or to decide you know what i am going to flood the earth again and destroy it all again no no this is the promise but at the same time there are expectations for noah and uh, his descendants and one of them being okay you can eat of everything except what has its blood in it, hmm. okay? Furthermore, you are to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So don't stop doing that. And then lastly, there needs to be uh, punishment for murder, okay? Hmm. So whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood 
be shed. So there's a couple um, addendums, if you will, from the from the uh, covenant with Adam there. So these are expectations that Noah is to ha- is to perform, but it's not going to say that well God is not going to perform His end of the bargain if Noah somehow fails in his. Does that does that all make sense? So that's what I'm trying to get at as far as like um, yeah absolutely um, terms of the covenant mm-hmm. expectations, if you will. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, and it's very uh, very. Uh, grace centric there, which is which is fantastic. So we looked at the Noahs. Noahs. Mm-hmm. What would your what would you, okay? What would your thoughts be on Adam's terms? What are the terms of that covenant there? I think obey, and then you can usher in eschatological life. So right. So that's okay. a big phrase. Yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> so I mean, there, there's a lot of covenant. We don't want to spend too too much time on the covenant of works, but the yeah. idea here is that. Um, so explain covenant of works. Okay, so let's back up here for a second. When we so Christians would say that we are saved, uh, in, at least in the Reformed heritage, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, um, right now, um, if you were to say um, how is salvation merited, okay, okay. then uh, and I, I don't know if I'll get in a little bit of trouble for saying this, but I would say it's merited by works. Right, we, but it's merited by Christ's work. Yeah, someone else's work. It's, exactly, that's it's an imputed righteousness. You got to make sure that's clear. Yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> we are saved by, because of what Christ did, what Christ accomplished. He did right? accomplish. That's right. Mm-hmm. He did accomplish it once and for all. Praise God, and, and we can be recipients of that. Yeah. Um, by you know Christ's righteousness being imputed to us mm-hmm. through faith. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea here is that Christ obeyed the law. Perfectly. Perfectly. And not only did he obey the law in a positive sense, like he did all of its stipulations, um, but also in a negative sense in that at the cross, he took on the punishment that we deserved so that he took, you know, he warranted the blessings on the one hand on our behalf. uh, And he also took on the punishments. It's very... The the curses. The curses, exactly. It's very comprehensive uh, in that sense. Now the question is, we get in, in the New Testament this this um, Christ as the new Adam. You think in Romans 5? I think in Romans 5, right. yep, exactly. Awesome. So now, so there's this, there's this um, sense, right, in which uh, Christ as the second Adam did that which Adam, as our federal head, did not do. Yeah, what he failed to do. What he failed to do yeah. in the garden, exactly. You want to re- re- read that section there? What section— Specifically, in Romans five, you are referring to there. Uh, well, let's just pick it up because Rom- Romans five is is really dense and it kind of it is yeah. it, it kind of teases this theme out um, pretty comprehensively throughout throughout a lot of the chapter. Yeah, yeah. You think in like Romans five twelve? I thought it, I thought the section I had in mind was in Romans five. Well, I think it is. Here, let me let me read oh, therefore, this. Or, no, 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 it is. There it is. Yeah, five twelve. Thank you for catching that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that in my notes, but good catch. Yeah. Um. Yeah, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who were sinning, not like the transgression of Adam, who is the type of the one who was to come. Um, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died through the one man's trespass, that is, many who were in Adam, mm-hmm. Adam represented us as, in, as mm-hmm. a federal head, mm-hmm. uh, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Um, all right, so so we have here this this Adam mm-hmm. uh, Christ parallel. The idea with the the covenant of works being that there was a probationary uh, period in the garden whereby 
um, had Adam obeyed God's command at the forefront, he then could have, uh, as a as a federal head, merited as Christ merited, um, or similarly to how Christ merited. We can get into some of the details there, but he would have merited in in a in that sense um, eternal life that would have then ushered us in to. Um, when I say an, an eschatological glory, a glorified. You, can, you can say a glorified state or a glory that's secured, right? So yeah. in It can't be lost. It can't be lost, exactly. Yeah. So in, in the garden, you have, um, th- th- there has to be some kind of distinction made between a, a sinless uh, state uh, pre-fall that is probationary, that, that can be lost, mm-hmm. that is there, uh, there is some testing happening versus um, an a, a glory, a glory which is secured yeah. and secured eternally. Well, how about if I put it this way to kind of simplify it? So the idea being that okay, Adam's in this garden, right? Mm-hmm. And he's told to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Okay, now the earth is certainly not filled at this point in time. So he's got a lot, to, a lot of work to do. Um, and that involves tending the garden, protecting it, uh, and taking dominion mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a, of course, as a representative of God in a, in a godly manner. And so presumably, Adam knows the whole world is not yet filled. I mean, he, he can see that. There's wilderness out there mm. that, needs to be, that needs to be brought unto, under uh, submission. Um, and so I guess the assumption would be that, this, um, that you know, he knows he's got a job to do. And if he were to fulfill and complete that job and not sin, if he were to continue to expand Eden, um, uh, take dominion, um, uh, not eat of the of the forbidden tree, and and fight off the the serpent. Had he done that, presumably at some point the whole earth would have, you know, would have been his work would have been done. Yeah, it would have been accomplished, and that would be it. Right, right, and that would be the presumable. He would enter into some kind of uh, a, a glorified rest. I mean, that's all. I mean, it's, it's speculation, but it's just a. A simple logical deduction. He had work to do, and if he finished his work, he would have been able to rest. Yep. Like in a eternal manner, kind of like obviously in Christ, he accomplished the work. He rested, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and presumably those of us who are Christians, at one point we will enter into eternal rest with the Lord. Uh, there, after our days on the earth are done. Right. Um, so. Does that does that basically does that make sense though? Yeah, no, absolutely. And okay. and I and what we're what we're not saying here is that um, Adam uh, was had had he obeyed that his obedience would have been uh, in in his own strength. I mean, he he's still he is still a creature. He is not himself the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're not we're not saying that. Um, He's always dependent upon he God. He is always dependent because on he, God. He had re- he received the word of God too. Right. Direct revelation had been given to Adam, and God was walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day. So there was already an intimate, personal relationship between Adam and his Creator. That so he was not in like this neutral position. Right. And if he works hard enough, he gets in good with God. Mm-hmm. He's already in with God. He's already. He's already the son. I mean, and he needs and he needs God, and right? He needs so like God, yeah. he he can he he's he has the ability to obey, yeah. but still still needs God to 
to kick that into gear yeah. or to help actualize those those um, that obedience yeah. um, to actualize it and to actually exercise that obedience, he would have still uh, needed God. Yeah. So so it it is still at the end. So we're not saying by mm-hmm. covenant of works, it's like you know, oh well, it, you know, it's that it's um, works righteousness in that sense. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's a that's a, I think it's a common theme though throughout all of the covenants that God makes with with man. I mean, you got. Adam's covenant, Noah's covenant. There's un- there's unconditional uh, terms of that. There's obviously it's grace based. Noah needs God. He's dependent upon God. He clearly was in the flood to survive that, um, and to and he's dependent upon God to continue to do his job of you know multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Um, so the next, I mean, there's there's a lot of covenants we could go through. We might not be able to get through all of them, but let's hit on another big one, uh, the Abrahamic. Yeah, covenant, which you know that takes up uh, several chapters mm-hmm. in the book of Genesis, and there's several places in which it's um, it's made or or described. Now, so you do you want to take a stab at it, Dylan, regarding um, some of the terms, uh, some of the context of this uh, covenant with Abraham? Yeah, sure. I mean, so so covenant with Abraham, uh, so so Abraham is seen as kind of um, that that turning point at which uh, God's, through whom uh, God's people will become a nation. Uh, and so in mm-hmm. the context of the covenant with Abraham, we have the, uh, the initial language of, of seed. Um, yeah. and, and Paul picks up on that uh, down the road in, in Galatians 3, you know, promises are made to Abraham and to his offspring. He, he says, look, you know, offspring in that context is singular, it's not plural. Uh, and so to your offspring, who is Christ? So yeah. Paul is kind of doing some some interpreting of the Old Testament there, and he's saying, look, if you read the Old Testament right, mm-hmm. you know, really the offspring uh, spoken of uh, for the for this covenant promise through Abraham and his seed is Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the children of Abraham ultimately are going to become that which is Israel. Christ likewise is. The you might say the faithful Israel, um, the the new and better Israel. Yeah, um, well, who and obeyed that's, where Israel fell and that's short. A diff- that's a difficult uh, thing for a lot of folks to wrap their minds around. Sure, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, well, it's like, I mean, is there kind of like this multiple fulfillment thing? I mean, is there like an original? Certainly, there's an original fulfillment application with the um, with Abraham's physical descendants, right? Yeah. Yep. I would, yeah. You know what I'm and then yeah, of course totally. Paul is, clearly makes that that claim that there's an ultimate one could say um, I don't know what the you know pinnacle ultimate fulfillment in Christ. He is the ultimate uh, uh, seed, if you will, of right. Abraham. Exactly. Um, um. There. So okay. So fair enough. So. Well, and likewise, I think you know yeah. Paul. Paul picks up the same point in. In Romans four, mm-hmm. yeah, um, promised to Abraham to his offspring, he would be the heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So now, likewise, mm-hmm. here there is this, there is this question of um, that faith which Abraham himself expressed. Yeah, um, so that that's a that's a bit of a tricky one to weed through well, in, I mean, in the Reformed heritage. Well, it's faith in so God. 
Yes. And God's promises. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I think one of the things we can all say is it, it's it's faith in God. It's faith in God's promises, and that the 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 faith that Abraham exercised is it, it was counted as righteousness. Yeah. I think is the language there. Yeah. Absolutely. In Romans four. Yeah. So. Let me, let me read, uh, uh, kind of going through some of the terms here, looking at the covenant with Abraham. I mean, it, I know it's kind of long, but uh, it's a good chapter. It's chapter 15, Genesis 15. Mm-hmm. Lo- lovely chapter. All right, let me read uh, from starting from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He, God, said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years, and I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So we'll stop there. But obviously, you see the, all the structures of a covenant agreement there. Um, God making promises uh, uh, to him. There's a, there's a sign, if you will, the animals being cut in half. Um, and for those who aren't familiar uh, with that, uh, I know we mentioned a couple other signs and some of the other covenants, but but this particular one, um, uh, by putting the animals, cutting them in half and putting them on the side, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, both parties would have walked between those pieces of those animals, and that would have been the sign among them, a witness, if you will, that if any one of the uh, parties does not fulfill their promises, uh, they're basically saying, may I be cut in half like these animals are cut in half. May these curses be upon me if I don't fulfill my promises. Yeah. Okay, so and it was, it's kind of neat here is that God is the only one right. walking through the pieces 
basically you know saying i yep. will do all of this exactly myself that's really good that's really good which is powerful yeah totally totally yeah yeah um and well and the other thing too i mean this is why i say it's, it's something that can you know it's it's a little bit of a tricky thing at least in the reformed heritage so we have we have abraham and here we're having uh, circumcision as kind of a sign of that covenant later on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in the, i think genesis, I think in genesis 17, 17 yeah, exactly again, yeah. yep, exactly exactly um but paul kind of makes a big a big to do of this in, in Romans mm-hmm. four, but one of the really cool parts about that is he's saying, look, you know, ultimately this is pointing towards grace for the Gentiles as well. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Romans four nine is this blessing then? So he's talking about kind of the blessing. Uh, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also the uncircumcised? For uh, we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. So how was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he had been circumcised. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, look, it, it, there's a, it's kind of a temporal point. It, the whole the covenant was made with Abraham before he himself was circumcised. That's true. And Paul's saying, look, if you read this aright, that's pointing forward towards mm-hmm. grace uh, and, and a righteousness for even those who are uncircumcised and in, yeah. in view here be, you know, the Gentiles. And it makes sense. I mean, Abraham was not circumcised when God entered a relationship with him. Yep. Covenant relationship was entered into before the sign was adopted by Abraham and, and taken into his flesh. Yep. So um, he so we can count him as our father as as Christians, mm-hmm. right? Because so, it was by faith. Because it was by faith, exactly. That's that's the point of uh, Romans four twelve. Um, who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham mm-hmm. had before he was circumcised. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the promise was to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world. Uh, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So um, I love that trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. It's very rich. It's very dense, and we could spend an entire podcast or five <laughs> well, yeah, we, just on that one. There's a lot we could talk about regarding uh, the, these covenants here. But, I mean, we got uh, in, in the time we have left, I mean, so just try, I'm trying to come at this from, uh, from, the, from, the, from, the, from the person in the, in, the, in the pew. You know, so what? Like, yeah. You know, why does all this covenantingness stuff matter to us today yeah totally as Christians. yep so here's so there's a couple different points right we want to we want to be careful uh, to to apply these well when we think about um, what it like who we are as mm-hmm. Christians and as God's people so I mean just one really quick and easy application that yeah. I think follows from the Abrahamic covenant that we were just talking about is like look this notion of Abraham constituting uh, through the sign of circumcision, God's people as a kind of um, a nation, and and as mm-hmm. you know through through genealogy, uh, is not the case in the new in the new covenant, right? One of the things that does distinguish the new covenant is that we are counted as Abraham's offspring who who share um, Abraham's faith, mm-hmm. even apart from circumcision as a sign. Well, one of the things that that does is it unhitches this notion of god's people tied to a particular nation or Mm. like we we are not um we are not israel the church is you know who those who constitute god's people in the church in a new covenant context are multinational it's a it's a global entity it's not one ethnicity it's not one ethnicity exactly um i mean that's really important to to keep in mind and i think there's you know there's implications for how we think of um uh, whether that's how we think through things uh, politically here in America, mm-hmm. how we think through 
um, Israel's role in God's redemption, God's plan for you know redemptive Redemption. history. Yeah, um, there's some implications there too. Yeah, I think one other implication, I mean, would be that when when we read our Bibles, I think it's important to understand these structures of covenants because, I mean, it's like it, that's the theological context. So you know, so for instance, let me you know, give a an example, pretty simple example, and I'm, I'm thinking more of, of God's law, if you will, but, you know, obviously with Noah, he was allowed to eat of any living thing uh, that didn't have blood in it, okay? So mm. that's the really the only stipulation there. And the menu changes under Moses, mm-hmm. okay? So in the Mosaic Covenant, when, when, they're in, when they're receiving the Ten Commandments and the law, they are not to eat of certain animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, as Christians, when we are reading the Bible and trying to understand what does this mean for me, how do I apply this, particularly things in the Old Testament, it's you got to remember the covenantal context. Like you know, who are who's in this covenant? Who is God? talking to here how does it apply to them and then okay what's happened since then right Mm -hmm. so you know certainly um like for example it'd be kind of silly but let's say that someone came up to moses and said moses i don't understand you know i don't understand this law thing i mean aren't we under the noahic covenant can't we eat whatever we want like i don't understand why you we can't eat bacon wrapped scallops because Mm -hmm. those are mighty delicious you know (laughs) And, 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 and the argument would be, well, progressive revelation, right? There's a new covenant that God has formed. Revelation has been given. This is how God wants us, speaking from Moses' perspective, as his people to live in the land, hmm. okay? It wasn't that case with Noah. That's true. But this is what it is now, all right? So let's, let's like, fast forward that. Okay, you know, uh, uh, your unbelieving friend comes up to you. And he says, okay, how comes you eat bacon? Yep, it's, not, it's, it's in the Bible. Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't be eating bacon, shouldn't Christian, be that. right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you say that you love God, you're one of his people, and you love the Bible, and the Bible says don't eat bacon. So what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, so I think that the clear answer would be, well, lots happened since then. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, so it's not. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to be facetious here. Or, no, or, no, but it's or, an important rude, point. No, we but get it's that like, a lot. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things have changed. You yep. know, more has come. Mm-hmm. Christ has come, and that's, I think, the important. You have to understand where the new covenant fits in with all of this. There, some, some thoughts there on that. Yeah, well, I mean, and the new covenant too. I mean, what this you know what exactly is is new when we talk about new <laughs> yeah i mean I, before we wrap up we got at least i mean we we're gonna jeremiah I guess for, 31 for for time's sake we'll skip you know the covenant of israel or kind of the, the mosaic covenant we haven't gotten too yeah. much into i think we're gonna we'll talk about law well, in, we will. in the next oh, yeah. episode we'll, yeah. so we'll circle back to the covenant the mosaic covenant um but then there's also the covenant with david very very important um because you know david's fulfilling the ruling role of adam you know he's he's securing these ble- these abrahamic blessings he's bringing the law, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so, so we have the the Davidic covenant that ultimately is fulfilled by Jesus Christ, who is the true and better David. You know, great David's greater son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we're there's a lot mm-hmm. of richness there, and the promise there that David would be would be would be would, you know that no one would ever there would always be a person on the throne of Israel 
Um, and of course, that fulfilled in Christ. And, uh, and that's all grace-based too. I mean, it was God who established David as king in the first place. He didn't earn it yeah, totally. uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so again, all these covenants, these promises that God makes, uh, uh, and the, and the grace that he can, that he that he confers uh, to these individuals, and yeah, and of course, so we you know those two covenants. So we covered you know a little bit Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. There's five right there, and then the covenant, the new covenant, right? Yep, exactly. So, uh, is there you know is there a particular passage that you have in mind regarding? These, these terms of the new covenant, if you will, this, this, uh, how this would, would fit about? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, one thing we might want to talk through, I think Hebrews 8 through 10 is an important chunk of, oh, I mean, there, there's a lot true. there. There's a lot but, there. <laughs> I mean, just kind of, okay, so we're, what does it mean, if we're announcing the theoretical obsolescence of the old covenant yeah. uh, in, you know, drawing from passages like uh, Jeremiah 31, um, and then I think in Ezekiel as well, uh, we have yeah. a lot of new covenant language. Um, what is what does that even mean? I mean, are we just going to become you know origin? Hey, this whole Old Testament stuff just wasn't that origin? Is the the heretic? You mean, you mean that you mean the ancient the ancient church, heretic church father, so to speak? No, 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 sorry, no, I'm not talking about the, the Martian. Ma, yeah, thank you, Martian. Martian, Martian is, the, is yes. the early guy that not wanted origin. to toss he wanted out to the toss Old Testament. Out the whole Old Testament. That's right. It was origin. too Jewish for him. Too, he, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, so are we gonna just Marcy in this thing and just get rid of the whole oh, old covenant not. because hey, it's obsolete, right? Like, what's how yeah. come not? Yeah, how come not? Well, that's a good question. But uh, f- fantastic grammar, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I swear, I, I know English. But okay, <laughs> I'll read another in the last few minutes here. I mean, it, you can maybe go to Hebrews there, but I'll read the Jeremiah passage because I think that's important. Yeah, I totally. mean, it's really the only passage in the Old Testament that specifically mentions. The word new covenant hmm. um, is Jeremiah 31, and starting in verse 31, and here's what it says. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is... Uh, the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So that's the passage I kind of wanted to, to stop there. Uh, with that, and, 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 and certainly the author of Hebrews talks about that passage uh, very much so. Um, but just, you know, at a quick glance at this passage, we do see a couple promises being made and a couple other, of other things I wanted to point out. First, God is promising that he's going to put his law on their hearts, mm-hmm. um, within them, write it on their hearts. And then he's going to forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So there's going to be forgiveness of sin, and an internalizing uh, of God's uh, holy standards. Yeah, well, Standard and, and it's that point, incidentally, mm-hmm. why I think so in in um, the part where we're yeah. saying, you know, not like the covenant I made with their fathers. That, I mean, that they broke. That they broke. So I, I think mm-hmm. what's in view there is the Mosaic covenant. Yes, I agree. Right? He says, when I took them out of the land of Egypt. Yep, exactly. So specifically contrasting with the Mosaic covenant. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
so so now what we're talking about then is it, it so Hebrews eight thirteen will go on to say so for, for yeah. in speaking of new covenant he makes the first one obsolete so mm-hmm. I I think what th- there's so many um, there's there's a lot of implications to that that yeah. we can kind of circle back to when sure. we when we talk about law but yeah. but yeah I mean what we're not saying right is that just you know Marcion the whole Old Testament and no. just cut it out and you know no. absolutely not I mean by by no means meganoita right yeah <laughs> um, but but mm-hmm. what what we are saying is that um, I, I think it's actually kind of similar to what Romans Romans three twenty one and through twenty five is saying that a righteousness from God apart from the law it's what it says there but I think what's in view is apart from the law covenant has been made known and so now we have in a new covenant context many of the stipulations within the law um, you know we we kind of we'll get to the tripartite division of the law you know civil moral ceremonial but but there what what it's at least doing in all of those cases is it is pointing forward to Christ there's lots Mm -hmm. of passages in in the New Testament that um, I think in in the Gospels in particular I'd have to Go back and check that, but where it says um, uh, the prophets and the law prophesied, so that so that the law itself has this prophetic function that that's pointing to Christ. Yeah, and I mean, uh, one thing I want to also mention about this is going back to that um, that the covenant that they broke, right? So the 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 assumption here, and what seems to be communicated by the by um, the author by God in Jeremiah is that uh, this covenant won't be broken. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like the covenant before that yep. was broken. So there's something about this covenant that is that is perfect and unbreakable. Um, and that also ties into not only God's law, but also the issue of the sign of the covenant. Every covenant has a sign, right? Abraham, circumcision. Uh, we could argue Sabbath for the, uh, for the Mosaic covenant. And uh, certainly with the new covenant, you know, people talk about baptism. They talk about, you know, they talk about the Lord's Supper, things like that. Um, but the, what I do want to draw out, though, is the theme of, of covenant and uh, the head of that covenant and their descendants being recipients of those covenants. So, for example, uh, yes, um, yeah. Adam— Federal headship. Yeah, federal headship there. Yeah. Adam is the head of his covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone who's in Adam gets— the results of that, everyone. Yep. Noah is the head of his covenant, and everyone, all future generations, get what get his covenant. So in a way, you know, all of us can claim the Noahic covenant still is true. You know, we're, you know, God is not going to flood the earth, right? Right. And he right. gives us the rainbow still, and then Davidic covenant again. Um, all the descendants of David. Uh, I'm talking physical descendants of David, and then you have uh, Moses and Israel and the physical descendants there. But now you have Christ as the head of the new covenant who has no physical children. So his recipients are spiritual children. Yep. It can only be that way. If yeah. he had physical children, that would be different. That would be that would change things a lot, but he only has spiritual children. So those who are his descendants, his progeny, if you will, are the recipients of his blessings in his covenant. Yeah, no, that's a great word. That's good. Very good. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should uh, end this section of our <laughs> discussion on that <laughs> as we as we come closer in time, and we do want to throw in. Unless you have some final words there before. No, we go well, I mean, again, there's just so much that we could yeah. touch on, and I mean, I love the the mm-hmm. way that Hebrews nine goes on to connect Christ with with the temple, and and 
he is our great high priest. Yeah. Uh, there's there's so so much richness there. I know. Um, we'll have to do some more podcasts. We'll have to that. C- circle back to some of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. yeah. But I think it is maybe time for the proverbial what? challenge. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. We're gonna get some kind of like yeah. sound effects in there. We'll ask the audio guy to do that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, all right. So uh, for those of you just uh, tuning in, perhaps uh, proverbial challenge, little uh, little game that Dylan and I play. Uh, taking turns uh, today, I guess I'll be the one falling under the knife of the challenge. But uh, Dylan has a proverb uh, selected for me. I'm not. I don't know what it is. I'll find out in a minute, and I get like five minutes to to interpret and apply the proverb, uh, hopefully correctly. If not, I'm sure Dylan will will uh, offer uh, offer chastisement upon me uh, <laughs> for failing the challenge. So. Uh, that is our proverbial challenge. And so, well, I, I guess I'm ready, Dylan, if you're ready to hit me with it. Okay, excellent. Let's do it. All right. All right. Proverbs 28, verse 2. This will be a fun one for you. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. Okay, all right. The lantern transgresses has many rulers, but with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. Uh, to, uh, uh, again, uh, proverbs are, are items that are generally true, uh, but they're not always true in every single sense uh, at all times and in every place, but they're generally true. And so this proverb, when a land transgresses, so land, obviously not talking about dirt, the dirt doesn't transgress, but a people transgress, a nation, a territory, a country, if you will. When they transgress, it has many rulers. Um, but with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. So we see this contrasting of many rulers on the one hand and stability uh, on, the, on the other hand there. Uh, stability under a man of understanding and knowledge. And so it seems that what's being communicated by the Lord in this proverb is that sin, uh, transgressions, uh, lead to chaos, uh, instability of the land, and the rising up of, of, of many, many rulers. You could, I mean, you, you see there's many different examples. You could say, let's take a look at countries that go through many revolutions, mm. just one after another, uh, toppling government, because it's just full of sin, corruption, and there's never any stability, any, any kind of satisfaction uh, on the part uh, of the people there. Um, or you could even have it where, and maybe perhaps a monarchy, you know, uh, uh, kings being assassinated, being killed, imprisoned, and the next king takes over, the next king takes over. And so it's just this idea, though, that, that when there's lots of sin, stabi- stability kind of fades away, things become chaotic, and that is going to result, it's going to affect the political realm. Where, where, where rulers come and rulers go, and there seems to be no stability. Hmm. Um, but a man of understanding and knowledge, someone who is able to, to put things together, and, and, and of course the text of Scripture always assumes that this understanding and knowledge comes from you know, the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So a man with understanding and knowledge will bring stability to a land, uh, uh, and it will long continue there so so that's the kind of idea here and, and maybe today we could say okay huh if there's a land that has 
seemingly many governments just coming and going and there's no stability, maybe it is because there's transgression going on mm. in the land. Not saying it's always that way, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, there, I mean, I, I suppose there could be some kind of circumstances, you know, foreign invasion, um, destabilizing a territory. Um, but in general, sin will have a destabilizing effect. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, I completely agree with that. And I think the general rule of thumb there, or quote, the quote-unquote proverb that yeah. we say is like, um, you know, uh, a people in, in our context, especially in a democracy, right? Like, yeah. The people get the leader they deserve. Or the yeah. leaders they deserve. That's true. You, you know what I mean. So when when there's That's a lot a whole of other podcast. yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but when the, when there's a lot of when there's transgression uh, yeah. in uh, in the land, then um, yeah, that we get a lot of different um, a lot of instability, like yeah. you said. So I thought that was well put. Awesome. Did I pass that challenge? Survive? I give you. I give you. A, a minus. minus. Yeah, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I'm totally kidding. No, that's cool. That's, that's cool, man. That's all right. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, well, listen, this has been Two Guys in a Bible. Uh, thank you so much for listening in and tuning in. Um, if you would like to reach out, listen, we love hearing feedback. We love hearing back from G- our Good listeners. feedback. Only good. Yeah, only good. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the other thing, too, is we, we love interacting with y'all. Uh, we love – it would be great to – we're very open to getting questions. So if you would like to reach out to us, please feel free to submit questions Um via email at twoguysandabible.podcast at gmail.com. And the number two there is spelled out, T-W-O, twoguysandabible.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the number two, two guys and a Bible. And then on Twitter, the same handle, at two guys and a Bible. So this has been uh, Two Guys in a Bible, and then ne- next week we're going to be talking about law. I think we'll talk yeah, about the God's law. law. God's yeah. law. That'd Excellent. be fun. That'll be, that'll be fantastic. So tune in for that. Uh, we very much look forward to interacting with y'all and, and hearing from y'all. And with that, we'll take us out. Thanks so much for your time, Eric. All right. God bless. Thank God you. God bless man. y'all.